Hash House and Circle Up. Welcome to On On, the Hash House Harrier podcast for interviews, history, and stories. I'm your host, Ra. Hi, we're back for part two with Blind Doug. More decades of hashing history. Enjoy. Today on the podcast, we're back in Scotland with another longtime hasher that many of you may know. It looks like one of my horns is showing, but not both of them. Anyhow, today, welcome on the podcast. Blind Doug, welcome. Thank you. Let's talk about hash names. What was the state of hash names in Jakarta when you get there, and how did you get your hash name? A variety. Some, of course, you couldn't tell your grandmother what it was. I, I got off lately. My hash name is Blind Doug, and I got that from the men's hash had a thing called the Hash Thrash. It was like a panto sketch show. The theme one year was Pleasure Island, where they take on Treasure Island and with Captain Fahok and all these kind of people. And of course, in Jakarta, you could get costumes made up. So I think it was on the Meridian in the main dragon, Sudirman. It said they build a boat on the stage and use a cherry picker with a big brown drape as to give the idea of the mass. <coughs> and I was the lookout. So I was up in the cradle with two eye patches on. I was the blind. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I got my name. <clears throat> Just one more uh, flashback to Jakarta. What was the expat community extras beyond hashing? You went to a lot of hashing events. Was there the Caledonian Society, a rugby club? What other kind of stuff was going on then? Yeah, Caledonian Society, Java, St. Andrew Society, as it was. They had three major events of the year. There was the Bum Supper, there was the St. Andrew's Ball, and the other one was the Highland Gathering. And I was quite taken aback when I first arrived. There was a guy who worked for <clears throat> Weatherford. I went to his leaving do in Aberdeen the year before I went out there. And again, jungle drums. It was the day I arrived. If I think I'd only been in the office about an hour, and this guy phoned me up because I arrived something like the sixth of May, and he says, "Hey, Diggy, you'll be coming along to the gathering." And I said, Ga "What gathering?" He says, "Oh, there's a Highland gathering. It's always the last Sunday of the month, and you'll be coming to that." And I said, "Don't know anything about it." I said, well, "Why is there a Highland gathering here? It's not even a Commonwealth country." And he says, "There is, and it's the biggest gathering in Southeast Asia." And the night before, they have a thing at the Borobudur Hotel called Scotland in Concert. So I thought, okay, fine. And I says to him, give me an address. I'll get the driver to bring me over. He says, no, you'll never find my house. I'll send the driver to get you. And I says, why is that? And he goes, you, you see here, you have the street names okay, <clears throat> but you might be number 143. The guy next to you could be number seven, and the guy on the other <laughs> side could be 19B. <laughs> and I said, how, do, how, how does that work out? And he says, some guy usually of Chinese extraction thinks that number's lucky and uh, pays the municipal guy money to take that number and put it on his door, even though it's half a mile away. So the whole line of reason to the... It started off logical numbering systems that they got lost in the wash, so to speak. So you'll never find it. So I said, okay, send your driver over. So I went with him. 
And I was amazed to see more kilts at the Borobudur Hotel in Jakarta than I'd ever seen in Scotland. And I think it's the same that people, when they're away from home, become more and more hashed or something. So, yeah. What about locals with the hashes in Jakarta then? Yeah. Yeah, I would say in the ladies' hash, I would say it was about 50-50 at the time. And in the men's hash, it varied. There was about a dozen, 15 guys that were local guys. And of course, the guy I always remembered, I saw him at the 50th anniversary thing, uh, Tarzan. Because every time Tarzan did a run, before he could say where it was, everybody knew where it was. It was always the zoo. He always did a run at the zoo. <laughs> That's great. So drowned out. Every time they said Tarzan's here for next week, he get drowned out before he could say where it was. A memorable occasion at the zoo was this guy, Jack DeStewart, Stirstick. He turned up on a unicycle and did the run on a unicycle, which was quite something to say the least. He was a character. Was Bent one? Benton, the founder, there ever when you were there? He came along occasionally for special run, but he didn't come on a regular basis. Yeah, Gordon Benton, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Well, what about you and hash namings then? Is that, was that, has that been part of your role in Scotland, hashing? Being GM or RA, then you end up uh, naming some characters. Yes, <laughs> I have done that. And also on the, the hash ski trips, because in the hash ski trips, what you do is they have an RA every night and then there's always somebody makes an arse of themselves when they're skiing well for, on the regular hash apart from that ski opportunity to get named what's the tradition for when names happen anything particular <clears throat> i i always feel that the, 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 there's a tendency to rush into names and i'm always reluctant to do that i think there should be a bit of time to uh, make sure you actually land on something that's appropriate. And sometimes people are a little bit shy. So you need to wait until something turns up and something always does turn up in the end. You've had a great history with your unknown hidden heart attack. Any other injuries along the way on hashing trails? Oh yeah, I'm quite famous for this, that I can really go, go away without having something happen to me. After I, I went to New Zealand and, and Australia, I went back to Taiwan. And when I arrived at the Taiwan hash, they were all shouting, how's your head, how's your head? Because the previous year, um, yeah, I don't know if you ever hashed there, but it's, it's a great place for hashing. They don't have a Nash hash, they have a thing called air which is called All Island Run. And so I had this interesting conversation with this hasher one time saying, do you have a Nash hash? He goes, no, we don't have a Nash hash. What do you have? He goes, we've got air. And I said, what is it? I said, it's actually a Nash hash. He says, no, it's, a, it's air, All Island Run. I said, same thing. Anyway, and they also have a thing called Down Island. Taipei's right up north, and Down Island is down at the National Park, right down at the southern part of the island. When I was at that in October, 2022, we did a run in the National Park. <clears throat> There's a lot of roots and stuff in the forest and so on, so I was keeping my head down to make sure I uh, didn't stumble. And there were some low-lying branches, so I managed to headbutt a branch, stagger back, run on 100 metres and headbutt another branch, knocked me on my ass. But as a result, when I, when I got down to the beach area, there was blood streaming all over my face and my head. And <clears throat> I had to have a medical time out. Nothing unusual there. 
Did you hash there with New Taipei hash or just Taipei? And because New Taipei hash had a plainful go to Bali inner hash in 2016. And we got co-opted into their, after the interhash weekend ended that next night, they were insane. They drank till they crawled home, some of them. <laughs> Indeed, hashing in Taiwan is a great experience. They've got quite a few hashes because there's the Taipei hash, the Taiwan hash, which used to be the old China hash, they called themselves, they renamed themselves, and also ran with the bear hash the Saturday afternoon, sun, Sunday. And there's the Metro hash, which is a Wednesday night. And then for some reason, they got great fun out of videoing me on the Metro, where they asked me to put on a face of disgust and then a face of merriment. <laughs> video my face. And then well, let's do that now. Let's see your disgust face. You still got it? <laughs> so say, in case this gets back to Taiwan, if anyone there is watching it, we'll see if they recognize you without the blood on your face. Yeah, quite. And that last time when I was there in the spring, Arthur Wang, Arthur Wang, it's, it's a, a traveling hash. You probably know him if you saw him. When he realized I was there, he says, hey, dude, I'll give you a lift if you can get to such and such metro station. And it was him that took me to the bear hash because they said that the Taiwan hash was going to be flat. And he didn't like flat. He liked mountains and stuff. So he dragged me off to run up and down hills and the bloody jungle in the rain. <clears throat> so anyway, that was very good of him. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, how about what's happened in Scotland hashing since you landed back there in terms of price increases, Beer, beverages, wine, soft drinks, drunk driving changes. How's it changed for you over across a few decades? One of the main things is the drink driving laws and stuff like that. And socially, it's unacceptable. That has had a, an impact. But people have come to terms with that. TNT hash is also Wednesday night, one's from a different pub. So not that many people drive to it. EH3 on a Sunday is a bit more cross-country, and so people drive. People just go on with it and give they give the drunks a lift and a drunk then the drunks get a lift back. They don't drive, so yeah. And, and that one's earlier in the day, right? Yeah, that's eleven o'clock on a Sunday morning. So yeah, other okay. things socially, EH3s had to put up their, their subs uh, a little bit. TNT is is a pound every week, and it has been since I first went twenty wow. odd years. What about the drinks in terms of wine in Scotland? Were, were there things other than beer there once you left Jakarta? Yeah. The one thing I didn't miss was the glycol in the beer. I was glad to get away from that. That was used as a preservative that gives you a hell of a hangover. I was glad to escape from that. Yeah, quite a few of the Harriets. It's the wine no drink rather than beer would be their preference. And we even have a couple of teetotal Harriets, obviously coming uh, for the social aspect. Have you been on hashes when you've traveled that had traditions that were out there that you thought, that's different, I'm glad we don't do that. Are there anything that's essential to you in hashing or makes you shake your head? No, I, it's pretty universal, but I've been to a few special hash events and I like them. I like going to some of the smaller stuff. And uh, the ones that I've really enjoyed, uh, three standouts were the Halloween hash, 
at Bucharest puts on, and it's up at Transylvania at Halloween. Now, where else do you want to be but Dracula's castle? That's a great kind of theme and format that they do. Also, I've been in the Oslo cross-country ski hash. I can't cross-country ski to save myself, but it's a fellow Canadian of yours, a guy called Buzz Lightyear. He's the guy that lends me uh, skis whenever I turn up in Oslo. He looks after me. And I've got the bruises to match. And the other one is the Prague canoe hash. Damien, sloppy stool. He's... <clears throat> how shall we say he's hijacked up from a guy called sperm doctor american guy who used to do it <clears throat> yeah those are interesting events and i like that they've got a particular theme to them my brother lives in montreal and so every time i go back to montreal i always go to the hash and i drag my nephew out for those occasions and there's a couple of events there that i've <laughs> stuck in my mind sarah montpatier sarah <clears throat> anyway she's one of the <laughs> the highlights of the montreal hash there was one of the times some bright spark, because there was snow on the ground, they said, what are we going to do to mark the trail? They decided to use coffee grounds. The darkness against that. What they hadn't taken into account, that the dogs in the street liked the coffee. So they were licking up the coffee and half, the, half of it went missing. But not only the dogs were as high as kites, so they were <laughs> at the moon and chasing their tails. <laughs> and the fact got lost because half the markings were gone. So... Uh, <clears throat> Sometimes you've got to try something different. The other what one that was a hoot, well, it was a hoot at Montreal, which I was there one Easter, and uh, they decided they were got these little plastic eggs, and in it was tequila jellies, and uh, they secreted them in the trees, and they said, okay, we need to find all these. And they knew exactly how many there were, and we were still missing one. They'd found 25, and said, we've got to find this last one. We don't want a kid finding it, like and we're scourging her. All of a sudden, there was a thud. We looked around, it was a squirrel had fallen out the tree, <laughs> a tequila jelly that was sucking on the tequila jelly. <laughs> Can't make it up. Can't make it up. What about, uh, what about some other run-in? Or you, you met a, a chat with a policeman in Jakarta. Uh, the hash had any white powder events or trespassing showing up at the wrong place, the wrong time stuff for you? Jakarta hash almost got shut down before I got there. There was, a, there was an infamous incident where, and I, I don't know who it was, it was a year or two before I got there, where they, they, they always did a Pearl Harbor run when I was there, and it was the Japanese hashers that would do that. But they also used to have a, a, a Hitler's birthday run. This is Brown Eye, yeah. Yeah, right, so you know the story where they had the cattle trucks. Yeah. So well, what, you know what, 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 how, did, how did it get told to you? Yeah. Well, what I was told was <clears throat> this guy, because they always had one of the year, and they were always trying to outdo each other. And so they get busted into the jungle and there was a train waiting to climb on cattle trucks and off they went and did the run. And there was this Dutch guy, I think it was, who had a friend with him who was a journalist. And when he got back to the Netherlands, he wrote up a story about there's a whole bunch of neo-Nazis alive and well in the jungles of Indonesia. And this was not the image the Indonesian authorities wanted and they almost get shut down. At that point, there was a guy, he was, I think he was a police colonel. And so when I was running at first, this guy was, was running with us. And this was obviously part of the deal. He was keeping an eye on it. There was nothing political or, or anything. It was actually just poor taste rather than anything malicious. And so he stopped with it until he got promoted to, I think it was Brigadier General. And then he stopped coming in at that point. Yeah, that's great.
Yeah, that story. I think that's been told by a couple of people over the years. Some of the Jakarta guys that were actually there in, in memorial of Brown Eye, who's also not with us anymore. Yeah. Uh, what about anybody else from those old days? You go to the Jakarta. You went to the Jakarta 50th reunion. Yeah. And how regularly do you see those folks that? aren't living in Scotland. The, the guy I've seen the most over the last few years is Hardcase, Dave Finlay, because he's turned up at some events, the Pan-Asia Hash, and I think he was at a Mekong Hash at Chiang Mai. So I see him a few times at those kind of events. And he, he has a house in Bali. He was there. In fact, I had a run to his house. Penguin was there as well, and a few of the usual suspects. Elizabeth Kreisgaard, she lives down in Spain. Her and Frank. Rubber Turd, his hash name, <clears throat> and Spermaid is her, they're Danish, hence the names. <clears throat> yeah, some of these some of these characters. Yeah, so he's got a house there and he's in the process of selling. We did a run to his house there. And him and some of the other guys have set up the Jakarta Crankers. So they get together and they do a cycle trip about once a year. Most of them are based in, but they did one this year, they were in Laos, so there was about a dozen of them all cycling around. There was a guy, John Reed, I forget what his hash name was, but he was in Jakarta when I was there, and he joined them for the first time this year, so for 30, 30 years he turned up at that, and it's Lewis Turner and Hardcase and Clumpy, Ed Clark, I don't know if you know him. Got a wee story about him. Ed Clark? I, the name, I don't know if I remember. But when I was in, when I was in Indonesia, they started, I said GPS had just come out, but also mountain biking had just started. So some of these guys decided they wanted to try the mountain bike. I got talked into this and they provided me a bike and off we went. And Comfy was a wee bit in the heavy side. So we were out in the jungle and his saddle broke when we were in the jungle. So we all, <laughs> all had to take turns of cycling this because you had to stand in the pedals. Otherwise, you get the pole up your ass. We all had to take turns about 15 minutes at a time. We got lost in the jungle instead of being out there for an hour. We were out there for about six hours or something. <clears throat> It was a nightmare. Anyway, so the, out of that, the Jakarta Cranker started and they, they do trips every now and again. Very cool. You obviously like running circles and from the Jakarta singing days, how's your singing voice and your song memory? Are you somebody that knows all the songs? I always admired the ones that, that, that uh, knew them all, like Magic Dragon, he could give you any song under the sun, same with Jack Destour. Quite a few of them are very good at that. I've got the songbooks up the stairs, but I don't have them sitting beside me at the moment. But yeah, I remember some of them or bits of them. <clears throat> and you're still ball breaking. So when you go to these international events, how much time do you usually go? You're not constrained to just show up for the weekend when you go to Europe or Nash Ashes and so on. Are you tending to do vacationing around these trips or are you in and out for hashing? No, I don't do it, and I, I go for longer. So when I went that trip to New Zealand Nashash and Aussie Nashash, I went away for 10 weeks traveling around. And because it was in Darwin, I thought East Timor is just across, not very far away. And I checked out, they had a hash there on a Saturday. So I went to Dili. Unfortunately, there was no hash, but there was some tr traditional behavior. The reason there wasn't any hash was a general election was on, and so they weren't allowed to have a run. But the hash said, okay, a couple of hashers here will turn out and we'll have beers with you. So I had beers with the local hash, but there was no run involved. So that was fine. 
Then I went to Bali, did some running then. I went to Taiwan and did five hashes. And then it was easier to come back from Hong Kong. So I ended up doing five hashes in a row. I did three in Taiwan and two in Hong Kong with a couple of friends. I don't know if lost in translation and hopeless. They're stalwarts of the Hong Kong system. And lost in translation, I only met her just before COVID when I went to Hong Kong to check out that the new bridge tunnel to Macau, and I thought, I want to go and see this. But as soon as she heard my voice and the two of us got together, we got very, very garrulous. And I could see people standing with their mouths open, not understanding anything. And I realized <laughs> why she is called Lost in Translation. <laughs> yeah. When she gets a drink in her, I think I'm the only, well, maybe her husband as well, the only people on the planet can understand what she's saying. <clears throat> Did you know Nightjar in Bali? I, I know the name, but I, okay. I, I don't know the, the face. Yeah, I might he, know the face of yeah, the song. He, he's passed yeah. on now too, but he was there. Did some of these guys that were at all the inner hashes, I know you had a gap year. Do you still, are you going to New Zealand? I'm not going to New Zealand this year. I'm off to South America to do some traveling, which is never been to South America. This is non-hash stuff, but I'm going to try and see if I can catch some of the local hashes. So I've got a family yeah. event. <clears throat> Yeah. Where, where's your main landing spots in South America? There's lots of clubs popping yeah. up there now. Yeah. 27th of January, we're off to Buenos Aires and I'm away for 44 days, a bit of cruising and hiking in Patagonia and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, looking forward to it. I'm signed up for Pan-Asia Hash again. This will be my fifth one. Normally I do three events and then I move on to something else, but we go to Johor Bahru if you're there, I'll see you there. Yeah, did you, you didn't, go, did you go to the... Zhang Zhezha one in China. Yeah, the, yeah, the Panasia. Yeah. All that right. was one it's of great. the oddest hash events I've ever been to. Yeah. What, what, what I remember, it was a great place and it was a great venue, but the beer wasn't very good. The music was useless. We managed to get one circle there the last day with the ice in the corner and hashers left with food on, free beer, we all went home early. The food was wasn't of, very good either. <clears throat> you could eat salamander. They had live salamanders they'd cook for you, I think. Yeah, and I remember all sorts of strange things. Yeah, and in fact, but getting back to that, that first hash that ran in Beijing, uh, one of the things that I remember about that, they had a viewpoint that was in the middle of a meat market, and they had all these strange things hanging uh, up in the food, which uh, people were trying to identify what the hell they were. And there was some kind of, I don't know what half the stuff was, but this was the viewpoint on the run. <clears throat> yeah. Not that far from Wuhan there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, not that far from Wuhan. <clears throat> Actually, that Pan-Asia in Zhangjiajia was just days before the COVID outbreak. Yeah. It was November yeah, yeah. of 2019. Yeah, yeah. 2019. Oh, wow. What other stories, any other misadventure stories that come to mind or ones you want to get through or people you want to mention? Misadventure. Oh yeah. I have done a typhoon run. That was, that was a cultural experience. I went to Japan for the rugby world cup. In fact, it shows how much of an asshole I am was that there's a friend of mine about six or eight years ago, we decided because everything was going on in the world, we said, let's make predictions for next year. And there should be nine that are current affairs. You're allowed one personal one. And whoever gets most right, the other guy's got to buy the beers the next time we meet at the end of the year to check it out. While we were in our cups, this guy's a very keen rugby guy, said to me, I can't get anybody to go to the, the rugby with me. 
And being a bit drunk at the time, I forgot to ask him where it was. So I says, you can count on me. <clears throat> and he says, are you sure? I thought it was like France or something. So he goes, yeah, because I'd never heard of the rugby world, Japan playing rugby. Anyway, three months later, he phoned me up and says, hey, I've got tickets, round-robin tickets for the Scotland matches. At that point, I asked him where it was. and goes, Japan. I thought, oh, shit. <laughs> what I did do is I asked him about the timings, and he told me that's fine, because I then went from that to Shanghai via Hong Kong. And then I went to the Mekong hash up in Chiang Mai after that. <clears throat> so that was a good yeah. trip. Yeah, so while we were there, he wasn't a hasher. I dragged him along to the Friday hash. It was something like in Tokyo or something like, fuck you, Friday or something it was called. And we did that. <clears throat> and I was aware of the fact there was a guy, Skylark. I don't know if you know him. He's a good runner, London hasher. Lives in Switzerland now. I'd met him at Old China Nash Hash one time, and he said, oh, running in Japan was great. The Nash Hash is fantastic. So I thought, okay, I'll go to that. And it was the last weekend of the round-robin matches. So I ended up actually selling my ticket for the Scotland match to go to Japan Nash Hash because there was a strong chance the game wasn't even going to happen because the typhoon was coming in. And it was up near Mount Fuji. So we did the run in the typhoon. There was no markings because it was knee-deep in water. So there was people standing at street corners pointing in the direction as branches flew into your face, I didn't know what you were doing. So we, we ran in the typhoon, one and only one, and it's got to be the most exhilarating experience I've ever had in my life. Brilliant. Wow. How many people showed up on that for a typhoon? That one, there was, must have been about 80 or 90 people. Uh, in fact, there was another uh, Edinburgh Harriet. She was, she was there with me. She turned up as well, which was nice. Lots of interesting, strange characters. And I'll tell you who was there. Oh, Christ, what's his name? Lives in Switzerland. Um, God, I'm getting worse. The big uh, guy? Yeah. Lick him? Lick him, yes. Share the room with Lick him. He was there at that. <laughs> He's another one of the usual suspects that turns up all sorts of events. Yeah, he was in Jiang Zhezhou too, yeah. Uh, so, how's sharing a room with Lick him? You recommend it? Surprisingly enough, I don't know whether I, I was uh, drunk or what, but I didn't hear any snoring. I was kind of oh unconscious my. pretty quick. Yeah, maybe you were the snoring guy. Yeah, I may, I may I say, have been. If you don't, if you don't hear the snoring, it's you. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but the onsens were great as well. Japan was fabulous. That's great. Any other places you haven't been apart from South America that you want to get to hashing or want to get to see? Yeah, I'm thinking as well that uh, what I'd like to do is, is go to the ex-Soviet places before they become part of Russia again after what's going on in Ukraine. And that was part of the reason for, for going to Taiwan because of all the saber rattling. I said, I should go while I can. I'm a bit annoyed with myself that for years, I could have gone to Tashkent and all these kind of places. I would like to go to the, the stands and Georgia and Armenia and all these kind of places. You never know when they're going to shut down. And we should yeah. all go to places we want to go to while we can. Yeah, there's certainly a lot last clubs i lived in cairo for 15 years and we were able to get on a plane for all the normal places the easy places in turkey and greece and of course then lebanon syria jordan iraq these places were all great and now sometimes there's a hash sometimes there's not a country left yeah that's part of it uh, did you hash in the Near East or Africa at all? No, the Near East. Been, uh, I think. Oh yeah, I, I did a hash in uh, Dubai one time. Creek hash. Yeah. That was another cultural experience. 
classic club, yeah. Yeah, there was, there was a friend of mine who was living there, and I was down giving a course. He was going through a divorce, and he was hitting a kind of low point. I said, come along, I'll, I'll introduce you to some characters. And So he's a bit of a chunky guy, and he was a bit apprehensive because of the temperature and all the rest. I said, just need to turn up with running gear. You'll be all right. Trust me on this. He kept insisting going to a bar to meet all these people with dead eyes. And eventually got the hash just as the run started. And he says, your gear? And he said, he hadn't brought in. I thought, oh, shit, okay. I'm going to run off into the desert and try and catch some of these people. At first, I thought it was some kind of fetish run. I could see a couple of people up ahead that were tied together with a thong. And then as I got closer, I realized that one of them was blind because the guy's going, oh, there's a bush to your right. There's a ditch to your left. I thought, okay, fine. And you may want to edit this out, but this guy's hash name is Blind Cunt. So it was one of the most inappropriate harsh names ever, and he was blind. In fact, the GM told this great story in the circle, saying how due to his wife, against his better judgment, he was dragged off to go to the theatre, and he says how blind people would have got good hearing, and so this guy, the blind guy, heard his voice and shouted out whatever his harsh name was, hey! And he immediately turned around and shouted, hey, blind cunt, back! And the whole... The whole <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's brilliant. The auditorium went quiet. <laughs> and he says, so we've got to get a new name for this guy. Would you believe it? Round the houses and they, they came out with worse names and eventually says, oh, fuck it, we'll just call him Blind Cunt. And that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, that's, they, they gave it a try. Yeah, that's yeah, great. So because my, my friend had, had no hash gear, he got dragged into the circle for having no hash gear and the usual, who made you come? So I get dragged in for aiding and abetting him. And then somebody told him that, hey, he was wearing his, his leather shoes, office shoes. They look new. You'll have to drink him. So he took his shoes off. So they had him in the circle for no shoes. They had me in for aiding and abetting him. As soon as they put the shoes on, they had him in for new shoes. He says, how does this stop? He said, we'll have to leave if you want it to stop. He says, have to accept then it was a hoot. Let me get this one in. Is the RA always right? Of course he is. Or she. Okay, good enough. We get various answers to that question. The African ones I've done, I've run both hashes in Cape Town, down there doing oh, yeah. a variety of work. And I, when the Kenyans tried to get into hash and didn't, I went to their event. And Wetfuck, if you know him, he was the guy that organized the safari, which was great. And my wife ended up getting named in Zanzibar. She'd managed to escape from getting named for 20 years. But she got named in the Freddie Mercury restaurant in uh, Stonetown in Zanzibar. Eventually, she got named. So what's her hash name? Ring Mattress. <laughs> okay. And what's the story with that? She was one of the ones that was involved in setting up the horrors hash, the kids' hash in Jakarta. So the kids were supposed to be organized, but they had ring mistresses that just keep the show on the on the road. So it was basically with a play on ring mistress. Let's see, Nairobi. So that was the Mombasa event. How'd that go for you? I, I that was great. That was really, really good. The, the only thing about it was there was a lot of prelims and post loops and I wasn't all joined up correctly so he could do several of things and stop. And so they had a kind of Spice Island cruise right at the end of the, the safari. And I thought myself, I didn't really want to go off right away because 
the next day, the day after we arrived, was the Monday where there was a Dar es Salaam hash. And I thought, well, I want to run away Dar es Salaam. So we decided not to do the Spice Island thing. We did the Dar es Salaam hash, talked to these people, said, we're going to Zanzibar, where would you recommend? We went over there and we had a great time, and then we went to Mombasa and so on. And there's a tendency sometimes with events that they tell you about three weeks before the event, like Mekong hash, when I went to Goa, Originally, I'd, I'd intended to go to Mekong, and they said, oh, you, you can't get in. It's unlikely you'll get in. And then while I was still traveling, I already organized myself for going. You suddenly, hey, we're pleased to tell you you can come in two weeks' time. It's well too late. Yeah, the only Mekong we managed to get registered for was the one that got canceled in COVID. All right. So I'd like to, I know it's pretty hard to get in if you haven't yeah. been before, and I know they keep it, but... I'll keep pitching, see if I can get a last second one. I'm pretty flexible too. It was Condom Man there. Does that name ring a bell? I can't really remember. There was the hotel we're staying at, but there was, because when we're doing the safari, we had all these Toyotas. And we all oh, had... I meant our salon. Yeah, but go ahead. I, okay. I, I can't really remember the names yeah. of the people there. There was, a, there was a lot of them. It was a big hash. Uh, and I can't really remember. And then, when we got to the, the hotel they recommended, there was a group of six Aussies, we called them the Six Pack. They were all in the same hotel. And because they'd arrived the night before, they said, hey, we found the cheapest beer in the whole of East Africa. It's up in the sixth floor of some hotel. They'd already got that. And so we, yeah, we got in with these guys. Nice. And how's your stomach from all this traveling apart from your tooth journey through your abdominal tract? When you travel, are you, pretty hardcore and you can eat anything? Do you travel well? I try to be a, a wee bit sensible and it's just, the only thing I'm sensible about the food stuff. I'm quite happy eating street, street food because usually that's just freshly cooked in there. The areas that used to be a problem, especially in Indonesia with the five-star hotels where they had the buffets and they were lying out for hours at a time just at a tepid temperature. Those were killers, those things. So yeah, try to avoid that. First time I got the deli belly in Jakarta was horrendous. I was crumpled up in the fetal position for about three days. And then the next time I got it wasn't so bad. And then after the fifth time, it was okay. Yeah, the the worst I've ever had, and similar to that, whining and crying out loud for days, just in case you get to Central America, it was Guatemala. And it was the street food, but you never know. But it would help. Anybody you think who would like to sit here and tell their stories too, I think a lot of people will enjoy hearing yours and that'll be <laughs> more people saying he talked rubbish. I need to fix some of those stories. I hope you enjoyed this talk with Blind Doug. That's it for his episode number two. Till next time, on on. To close the circle, here's the Hash Anthem sung by Mother Hash. Swing low. Sweet child.